for adults, naps are like the most delicious thing in the world. The multiple hour long afternoon nap is in the end, not a great thing. An Just afternoon extend- nap that turns into a 12 hour sleep. Yes. Mm-hmm. For another potentially useful episode of the TCAPS Loop Podcast, I'm joined, not in the studio, again, by the master of the EdTech arts, Danielle Brostrom, and her partner in pedagogical mysticism, the technologist, David Noller. I think I said that wrong. Pedagogical. Pedagogical. I I was thinking, I threw an extra... Ickle. Ickle. Or Ickola. Off the rails, really. You like it. Okay, gotta go. (laughs) Before we conjure this week's meat of the show, I like to open our minds with a moment of Zen. Don't confuse aptitude with mastery. We took a short break, but the ed tech world kept spinning. So it seems like we should attempt to catch up on the most potentially useful tools that we may have missed over the past. Gosh, it's almost a almost a month, right? So what's been up in ed tech world? Can we talk about the Google updates? Can we please go through some of these exciting things that are coming down from Google? Yes. 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 It, it, but, you know, before we, I want to, it's kind of fun because we've uh, we've talked a lot about DTL and Brightspace and all that. And every time we do talk, we always mention, hey, guys, just because we're a, we're a Brightspace, you know, district, a D2L district does not mean that we're not using Google. It, it, it That was never the intention. That's not the intention. So it's nice to go back to something that we talk about or we used to talk about quite a bit and say, guess what? These tools are still there. They're still available. And check out all this new functionality. So let's talk about Google Meet first. David, I have to ask, what are you most excited about for Google Meet? You know what's funny? Is since we've been back face to face and I'm in the classroom and I'm not using Google Meet anymore, the 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 updates around Google Meet haven't been highest on my radar. David. I know, but because I'm doing I'm doing other things in the classroom that more directly interface with the kids that I'm seeing. So I'm like I've been I've been focusing a lot of my energies on frankly the bright space stuff because I'm inter- I'm interacting with that every day, and I know that's something that I know a lot of our teachers in the district are working on. But like, I and here's the other part of you asking me that question. I don't remember what's come up in like the last week, or am I going to mention something from October? Like everything from breakout rooms to hand raising to the ability to control those breakout rooms. I think the new one that just came out or that's about to come out that I'm really excited about is the ability to end a Google Meet for all users. Um, That's something that is about to drop um, and we won't have that issue anymore of kids accidentally staying in in a meet or you know, having to have them end first before the teacher gets out. The teacher can just close the room if I end up back in a, in a space where I have to do Google meets with students, that's going to be something that's going to be uh, a big change and a big positive change for me. What, what I'm about most excited, you, Thank you for asking because I I'm freaking out excited about this. Okay. The ability to schedule your breakout rooms 
is going to be huge for teachers because right now the logistics of you have to wait until your class has started and then you have to open the breakout rooms and then you have to slide the kids where you want them. The ability to do all that management stuff ahead of time and put kids in breakout rooms is going to be huge. So I think scheduling breakout rooms is gonna be awesome. I think muting everybody, hello, that's gonna be great for teachers. Um, and then I love the little new reactions that are coming, like the thumbs up, thumbs down, the little hearts. It just makes it a little more fun for kids to be hanging out on a Google Meet. So I'm excited about those ones. Um, there are other updates that I'm really excited about though too, David, like the forms update where kids don't have to finish the entire form. It saves their progress. Oh, that's nice. So that'll be really helpful. You know, if kids get three or four questions in, it'll save that progress without them having to do much. Revision history and Jamboard is really exciting. I think we can finally <laughs> have some proof of who did what. Right. Um, I love that we're gonna be able to do screen recording on the Chromebooks. That's gonna be fabulous. I, I use Screencastify and I love it, but having a little screen recorder built right into the Chromebooks where the kids can just click is going to be a great update. The version history on Jamboard, I think has a lot of, potential aside from just accountability where you can take a step back in terms of if we see this visible thinking going on as students are adding to this Jamboard and we run into a place where there's a, a roadblock or a misunderstanding, we can use that version history to go back a step in the Jamboard and start from there and move on from there again so that it becomes part of the process of, of revision of learning which is something, you know, the editing of our learning, which is something that we want our kids to do. We think we understand a process. We go through it. We vision that out on a Jamboard. And then here's a place where maybe we want to do an edit or we have an error or we have a, a better thought. And they can use that version history to step back to kind of reset to a point and build it out further again. And I think that's a powerful um, educational opportunity in addition to the great opportunity for seeing who did what. <laughs> I completely agree with you, David. I think that's, if there's something um, that we're, we can leverage in the digital environment that I'd love to see more of is that revision history being used as an opportunity to see what our students, really where our students are getting stuck. And then being able to personalize their educational journey based upon where we see them. One of the problems, one of the things that we really rely on is to for our students to tell us where they're at. However, if they're stuck or they don't understand a concept, they might not have the words, the language to accurately describe where their issue is. They don't get the concept. For, for the teacher to be able to look back at their process the teacher is going to be much more likely to be able to go, oh, this is this is where they, they were struggling with their spot. And then can teach to it, not necessarily say this is where you were stuck, but can start that communication with the student in an appropriate place where they can draw the student back into where they should be in the process. Sure. I think it also helps with communication. I just had a situation this morning with a parent who wrote in about you know, my, my kid says he did this, but you're saying he didn't <laughs> in terms of like what grade reporting says, for example. And it was a website that we developed on um, Google Sites. And what had happened was he hadn't published his most recent changes. 
and those went back a ways. Uh, so it turned out that he hadn't published any changes since a couple weeks ago. So I didn't see any of those changes because I'm looking at it, at it from the published side. And so what I'm able to do by looking at revision history is confirm that he had made the, the progress we wanted him to make, but he didn't click the publish button. And so that tells me that this isn't a student who doesn't understand. It's a student who didn't complete the process. And that makes it easier for me as the classroom teacher to do things like not give them a huge penalty for process, since that wasn't something that I was interested in grading. I was interested in looking at his progress on creating this website. And I can see that he did it. And he did it when he was supposed to. He just didn't hit that final blue button. And that makes it much easier to have that conversation with the kid and the parent. And so anytime we have an update to Google tools where we get an opportunity like in Jamboard to see that revision history, it's accountability, it's educational opportunities, and it helps communication. And all three of those things are super important in the classroom. You think about how specific that moment is for the student. What you realized there wasn't that the student didn't understand the concept. Maybe the student didn't quite understand the, the value of follow through. Those are two different things to teach to. Right. Suddenly that student has, has had a potential epiphany or a learning moment on, oh man, I got to really focus on or remember to finish the process. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's a lifelong skill mm -hmm. that would have been completely missed and probably caused a, you know, uh, an issue in their educational journey, a major hurdle because they forgot to click or didn't quite understand clicking the little blue button at the top. Yeah. Suddenly they, they're having a bad experience in education because of a small thing. It, all of a sudden it's really not that big a deal. Yeah. It's nothing we have to argue about. It's nothing we have to have a conflict over. It's just a blue button. And I go back and I make adjustments as an educator and he goes, Next time I'll know better, but he got what he got when he needed to get it and we're moving on. So the, I think the right things are being prioritized. Right, Danielle, you're smiling. I am smiling because <laughs> you're right. Anytime you can see into students' thought process, it's better. Um, there is one other update though that it's, I don't think it's as relevant to a teacher, but I do think it's relevant to admin and I think in our role, David, something like this is gonna be really useful. Um, you're gonna be able to create an approval workflow to get everyone to sign off on important document changes. So you will have a document approval process built into Google Drive. And I think that can be really powerful when you're talking about processes on a large scale. I feel like I saw that demonstrated maybe even last year where one of the things that you can do is, is assign roles to particular users in your group and then they take on part of that task is am i remembering the right thing are we talking about the same thing i'm not sure i think this is kind of like um you know how we currently use form workflow plus to check off you know i've done this part of my project check you know that i've done it because i've checked this google's going to have that built in so that way if you've got some type of a form that has multiple people all working on it you know when they've signed off on their part i see okay so there are basically, Danielle knows that I do not know. She is the master. You are the Padawan, I guess. Oh, as, oh. As, how about that? You guys I are too know. kind. <laughs> I do know that reference. Uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. I just think of currently a lot of the projects that I'm involved in, and I have to physically send an email 
did you see this? Did you, how does your part look? What do you, what do you think about this? And just being able to have people check off a box is going to be so much easier. Not as much follow-up. And sure. I, think, I think really where, where it comes down to for Danielle is less emails. <laughs> Please. <laughs> less emails, work smarter, not harder. So then you get that email notification that something got checked off. So you still get the email. Have you guys been noticing that you can do a lot of those right within your Gmail now too? That's an update that just kind of happened. Like somebody wants me to share a document with them and I can click share and do it right within my email and get it out of there. I can respond to a comment that somebody put on a document right within my email, get it out of there. I noticed that specifically on something this morning, actually. And, I, and it, you know, it almost looked like a screen, you know, a Google kind of screenshot of Google Drive. And I'm like, well, none of this is going to be active. And yeah, the whole thing was right there. I, you know, the comments afterwards, the share settings, the, it was all in the email. What else? What else is going on? I mean, that's that's exciting for me. You know, one of the things that I've been hearing, and maybe this doesn't so much have to do with the updates coming from Google, but sort of the updates that are happening in our own district is that I, I've heard several comments along the way of how teachers now feel like they're better prepared to be working in an online environment um, because of the necessity that we got into last spring and then the habits that we got into this fall. We do a, a lot of work letting teachers know when changes come around. We send them these updates and we, we let them know how things are changing. And it's nice to see that, that we have a staff that's, that's beginning to get comfortable. Not everybody. But I have heard those comments uh, from teachers, sometimes just socially. I was uh, overhearing a couple teachers talking the other day, uh, just as I was kind of walking past, and, and one of them said something like, I never thought I would like teaching online. And it was clear that she did. We're making those um, adjustments as professional educators, and we are benefiting from the changes that, that are happening. One of the things that I think is a new feature in Google Meet that helps for people like for people who want to make sure that they're comfortable being seen in the in these online environments because I'll tell you standing in front of a classroom I'm fine no big deal standing on a stage I've been playing in music for I don't know 35 40 years now no big deal put me in a zoom meeting or a google meet or some sort of thing like this and all of a sudden I get a little like concerned about what am I, what are, what are they seeing on the other end? Which is why I have the space background. Cause you don't need to see my office and all the things that are stacked over there. Or when we were working from home, um, my dog's running around or my stairway or see into the corner where that spider web just still exists. I don't know what, what's over there. I don't want to touch it. And so Google meet does have this new, um, have this new option to set up how you're going to appear before you actually join the meeting. It was something that you adjusted once you got in. Uh, but Google Meet now offers the opportunity for you to uh, do kind of a, a preview um, to make sure that you can be heard and to check your own background and all those things, uh, kind of like in a green room setting so that you can know what you're going to look like before you jump in. And I think in terms of like, Social comfort in a professional environment, 
having that opportunity to customize or control at least how you appear in your in that environment from the very get-go probably sets some people at ease. For others who are more comfortable in that process, no big deal. But I do think that that's an important feature for anyone who who desires that kind of, whether it's privacy or just simple control. We've been able to do the blurring of the backgrounds, which they've made a lot easier and a lot better for a while. But to be able to have that set up before you go in and be able to manage it before you go in, I can definitely see that being uh, easing the stress, mm-hmm. which is important. Well, I was just going to say, I, I just did something and it reminded me, I looked at the bottom of my screen and it just reminded me of a feature in Google Meet that I don't think we've talked about much that I think is significant for a big population of our students and could be more useful for um, our world language teachers. And that's the captions option where Google Meet will live caption your meeting as it's doing for me right now. When we speak into a Google Meet, uh, Google Meet will generate captions for students. So... If I have a student who needs um, an accommodation because verbal expression is harder for that person to understand than written, they can use the captions. If I have a student who has a hard time hearing voice, they can use the captions. This is also available as of December of 2020. This is available uh, in multiple languages like French and Spanish and Portuguese. Even world language teachers could take advantage of the option when instructing in those languages. So I just think that's an underappreciated and underused feature uh, in terms of getting to our total population. Um, we could encourage our, our students to turn on that, that caption view for those students who need that or for those students for whom that's an accommodation that's required. And I do think it's a neat tool. Uh, I started using something similar when they added it to even, you could do it with presentations, as long as you had a microphone connected to your computer. And so when we would do classroom presentations, I would either hand them a mic or put my big mic on the podium, and there would be running captions throughout their presentation. And in terms of you know meeting those accommodations for all the students in a room, this is a, a significant tool. And one that I don't know that we've ever highlighted before. You know, David, I think that they're expanding that to one of the things I read on the 2021 Chromebook updates was that they're going to be doing live caption translation and accessibility um, in real time Im- improvements and all of that built right into the Chromebook. So I wonder if that's going to be expanded. So not just available wow. within our Google products. Translation in the sense of I say it in English and it translates it into Spanish says translate in real time wow. and it says launching soon so that's like Babelfish content you know hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy pulp call oh pop you can't give her the reference you can't give no, her the reference you know you i don't to, know things you just that's have to why i brought it up my, my favorite part is watching her watching the blank look on her face that's you need <laughs> you need a towel a robe a Babelfish, and you need to lay down on that robe before you go into hyperdrive whatever that thing is, because otherwise you'll get sick. I don't know the words you're saying, but I can Google. So (laughs) I will find it. Hey, Checkers Guide to the Galaxy, Douglas Adams, one of the best science fiction books I ever read and remains a a favorite. How do do other people know this stuff? All right. Marvin, the paranoid android. 
Oh, they've made multiple movies. Well, a TV show and a movie. Yeah. Yeah. The movie's not great. The movie is actually pretty funny if you're not comparing it to the books. That's probably true. My kids, um, my kids love the movie. Yeah, but they haven't read the books. See, I, I prefer I, I prefer the BBC series for sure. I have such a me too, but I have such a strong loyalty to the books that I see the movie and it hurts my heart. I was at the point of I'm just glad they made something. Sure, agree. And, and they gave it a good go. They did. Slaughter to Bart Fast was great. The yes. fjords. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm bringing I'm it back. Now to get Danielle, you're just <laughs> saying things. You're making stuff up. <laughs> Safe odd people, Brox. It's a thing. Safe odd people, Brox. <laughs> so Trillion. other, other than all of your nerdy stuff, <laughs> the heart of gold drive. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I Infinite improbability. I know we talked about the Google updates. I'm bringing you guys back because I don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> I know we talked about the Google updates, but I also brought some fun. Fun tools. Do you want me to tech tool of the week those, or you just want me to tell you? Because I have a couple. I want to find <laughs> out what the tech tool of the week is, and then I want to rebut. Oh, <laughs> like Smash Boom Best. <laughs> all right, here Did we you go. Guys listen to the Smash Boom Best podcast. That's no, what they I do. might not rebut at all. We're, 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 we're too busy listening to Vogon poetry. Oh. So let's let's tech tool of the week. Let's tech tool of the week this. So I have three. Stop being nerdy. Okay, I have three tech tool of the week tech tools that I want to share. Um, the first one is experiments with Google. So this is a collection of thousands of amazing experiments using Chrome, Android, AI, Web, VR, AR. They're all projects that have been showcased. Collections of experiments to explore. Um, this is kind of like anyone can add things on here, but my personal favorite is to go to the top and click on the collections and go to the creatability ones. There are a ton in there that are made by the Google Creative Lab and they are crazy fun. Um, a musical keyboard you can play with your face, um, make music by moving your body, um, experience music visually. Um, when you say again, your face, I'm assuming yeah. that's not just <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. And it changes the pitch and stuff. Okay. Word, word synth where you can play with speech and music. I mean, these are just fun and a blast and a great way to talk about, I don't know. It's just fun. So go there, create some good stuff. That's number one. Okay. See, I got to bring the fun back. Number two is look it. I don't know if you've heard about Look It. So I'm coaching this Battle of the Books team and they are getting a little bored with cahoots. Everybody does cahoots, their teacher does cahoots and then they do cahoots with their specials. They do cahoots here, they create cahoots. So we've started to do Look It's and it's kind of similar to that where you have the questions and the kids can answer but there are a ton of different games that they can play with the content um, it's kind of a new take on the trivia and review game idea. Can I talk about Blookets for a second? Yes. I you. Yes. This is not a rebut. High school teachers have been using this. And one of the things they love about it is that is the game feature where as you're going through and students are competing and they're moving up in the trail, they can do things like block each other. They can take coins away from somebody else. They can have somebody else's screen filled with trees so that they can't see the answers as well. And 
I've seen this work in a number of different classrooms and it's super fun and um, it's really good for uh, that quick review. Um, it's a little rough on kids who aren't as quick and some kids figure out uh, some strategies that uh, that allow them to uh, kind of game the system a little bit, but it's still okay. It's, it is a nice alternative to some of the other ways that we review content. And I like that there are some games within Look At where kids can play at their own pace. You know, I'm working through the questions on my own and I'm building up the coins on my own, but there's still that classroom game feature, but I'm still able to, it's not as head to head, I think. Mm, okay. I love Look At. That's number two. The third one, do you guys know about Ken Ken puzzles? Oh, yes. No. Brand new for you. See, I can talk stuff you don't know about. So Ken Ken Puzzles, it is an app. It's also a website. They're really great for fluency. Um, they are, they're puzzles. They use basic operations. They're similar to Sudoku puzzles with these mental calculations that are built in, but you select your puzzle size. I recommend starting with a three by three because um, anything else is really hard until you figure out what you're doing. You choose your operation. So, you know, I can do addition, subtraction, I can do division, multiplication, I can do a mixture, I select my difficulty, and then I play. There are, it, it's like Sudoku in that you can only have one number, one of each number per row, but then there are cages. And within those little cages, that's where you're making your calculations. So like the one that I'm looking at right now, I have two boxes where I have to make five, and I only have the numbers one, two, and three. So I have to figure out where they go within the cage and then also where they go within the big three by three puzzle. So I have been doing this with a couple different classrooms and it's just really good for kids for that quick math practice for fluency. And huh. it's fun for grown ups too. I'm gonna have to figure out how these even work. I like That's the idea. Part of it. I'm looking at one right now. I wanna see if I can figure it out without looking up instructions. <laughs> well, I will tell you as a grown up, David, I tried that and I even screenshotted the instructions and I played with it and then I got super frustrated. Okay. And then I gave it to my own kid and I said, I can't figure this out, but I think it's gonna be good. And she figured it out and taught me how to do it. So oh my gosh, how funny. the problem solving and perseverance, the kids are definitely better at it than the gotcha. grown ups. I'll I'm throw one back this. at you. This kind of goes back to Danielle's first point, and that's today is Celebrate Digital Learning Day, by the way. February 25th, when we recorded this, is Digital Learning Day. And so one of the things that I did today was I went on to uh, Google's Applied Digital Skills page, and they have a number of different active, um, engaging uh, activities for kids to do. And we just did this grammar lesson because we have to prepare our kids for the SAT and there's some things we need to do. So we did a, re a refresher on coordinate adjectives, uh, which is a really boring topic. But then what we did is we had the kids create a digital storybook where they wrote about a place of significance to them um, because our current theme is, is on the power of place and storytelling. And they had to use coordinate adjectives to describe their, their place of significance in a presentation by creating a, a, a storybook um, as part of this um, digital learning day. And so a great place to go for those ideas. If you want to get kids engaged in those kinds of activities, there's instructional videos. It's called applied digital skills dot with or just look for uh, applied digital skills, Google, 
Um, but today is a happy Digital Learning Day 2021. So that was how we celebrated it in first hour today. That was a Google Meet high five I just gave you, Noler. I saw that. I'm super excited about all these. We used to talk a lot about uh, gamifying the classroom. Mm. And not only, you know, one of the things we struggled with with in that conversation was gamifying is great, but if it's not a useful tool, you know, what's the point? And a lot of, at right. that time, a lot of a lot of the things we talked about, yeah, kinda. It was moderately useful. Maybe we hadn't figured out how to really incorporate it appropriately within the curriculum. All these are absolutely useful and are still fun and completely follow that um, you know, gamifying kind of mon mindset. And I bet you the student engagement is going to be very high. So sweet. All right. Anything else? Uh, in closing, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at TCAPSloop. At BrostromDA. At Technologist. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Downcast, Overcast, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or wherever else you get your ear candy. Like the podcast, leave a review on iTunes, wherever else you listen to us. Leave a message, man. We love hearing from you. Thanks for listening and inspiring. That, my friends, was a pod.